Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. Acts chapter 27. We're going to finish up our Acts series today. So glad you've gathered with us wherever you're gathering from today. This has been a leadership series. We've been studying the leadership principles from these early Christian leaders, the Apostle Paul specifically in Acts chapter 27. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever been somewhere in life, some situation, and it felt like all you can do is keep your head above water? Like you're drowning and you're fighting for your very survival. Like I was literally there, not just metaphorically, I was literally there in 2014. I'm not making this up. This was the last picture ever taken of me right before I almost died. Like this was so scary. I didn't even talk about this for a long, long time. Nobody even knew this. So I was on a father-son mission trip with my oldest son, Jake, in 2014 to Tanzania. It was the very last day of the trip. And so on the last day, we were going to go snorkeling. And so I put my $10 non-refundable deposit down for the fins, the flippers, you know, the snorkel, the mask. For some reason, they did not give life jackets or life preservers. How in the world they would let teenagers and middle-aged men out in the ocean with no life jacket, I, I don't know, but there we were. So there's Jake and I, the last picture right before we get in the water. Little did I know, as this picture was taken, I'm just minutes away from fighting for my very survival. Literally, I almost drowned on that day. I'm in the water, treading water, I'm exhausted, I'm in water way over my head, and I think most of us have been in that place in life at one time or another, could be you're there today, you're in way over your head, it feels like you're just fighting for your survival. In Acts chapter 27, the apostle Paul would find himself in the water, in the open ocean. Indeed, he'd be fighting for his very survival. And I want you to understand, ultimately, as Acts chapter 27, 1 opens up, we're going to see the principle today for surviving the storms of life, even when you feel like you're in way over your head. Acts 27, verse 1, and when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan Regiment. Now remember, in Acts chapter 26, remember from last week, Paul had been on house arrest in Caesarea for two years. The Romans didn't really know what to do with them. Uh, they didn't just want to let him go because the Jews would write if they did. They wanted to send Paul back to Jerusalem to be tried by the Jews, but Paul knows if he goes back to Jerusalem, he won't get a fair trial. And so in Acts 26, he exhibits his uh, Roman citizenship. He appeals to his rights as a Roman citizen, says, I appeal to Caesar. And so now they put him on a prison ship for Rome. And look at what it says. And when we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off of Snidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete of Salmon. Now listen, this is difficult seas. This is difficult sailing. And what I want you to notice, it's not yet dangerous sailing, but it is difficult sailing. And it's winter time. It's a horrible time to sail in the Mediterranean. And I'm convinced most of the time life is like this. I mean, it's difficult under the best of times. We live in this broken world that's been cursed by sin. 
where difficult, bad things happen to everyone. Everyone gets to go through the season. No one is an exemption. And so this is difficult sailing, and it's longer than they thought it would be, and it's harder than they thought it would be. And then it says in verse 8, passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. Now, don't you know that occasionally you get to harbor at Fair Havens? So Fair Havens was a real harbor on the south side of the island of Crete in the middle of the Mediterranean. And it was kind of protected from the elements. So it's appropriately named Fair Havens. And they harbor at Fair Havens. And you know, there are seasons of life that you get to harbor at Fair Havens. It's that season where everything is well in the world. The kids are happy. Everybody's healthy. You just got that job promotion. You're planning your dream vacation. I mean, all is well in the world. Fair havens. You would love to stay there, but you don't get to stay there. It's the place where the sun is always shining. The seas are always calm. Every day is a thing of beauty. It is white sand beaches and virgin strawberry daiquiris. (laughs) But, you know, that's just a season. You don't get to stay there. It's just a harbor on this journey through the seas of life. And so here they set sail from Fair Havens, and look what happens immediately, verse 14. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurocliton. Now, when I see this name, Eurocliton, don't you just think of the villain in the latest Marvel movie or something? I mean, we no sooner set sail from Fair Havens, and we sailed right into Eurocliton. I mean, this is like the villain in some, you know, Marvel movie or something. I mean, you're a, I just think of like, you know, you're a client, <laughs> right? I mean, it is doomsday for sure. What is a, a you're a client on? It is a nor'easter. It is a wind that's known to uh, blow in the wintertime in the Mediterranean. But it's more than a nor'easter. It's a, literally a hurricane force wind. They set sail from Fairhaven, and immediately they sail into the storm, and it's not just any storm, it's a Euroclidon. It's a Category 5 hurricane, and they're out to sea. They're in the middle of a hurricane, this kind of storm. No longer is it merely difficult, it's become dangerous. And that sometimes is, is life. We sail in this storm, and it's not just difficult, it is dangerous, and it feels like it's all I can do to simply survive. And that's what happens now. These sailors on board are just fighting for their very survival. Verse 20, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Here are these professional mariners, and they've been fighting the storm now day and night day and night, day and night, 24-7, and they reach a point where there's no hope. I mean, all hope is given up. And I want you to see what happens, verse 21. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. I love the apostle Paul, man. He's so real. He's like, guys, I told you so. I mean, at the beginning of this journey, if you read the whole text, Paul says, hey, y'all, this isn't a good idea. Like, I sense that if we sail, it's not going to end well. But they were like, who's this Paul guy? He's just a prisoner. He doesn't know what he's talking about. We're the professional sailors. Like, we're the professional mariners. You prisoner, we professional, sit down and shut up. That was kind of the attitude. Now he stands up after it goes exactly the way he told him. And it says, guys, I told you so. You should have listened to me. 
All right, but relax. All hope is not lost. It says, and, and you shouldn't have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe that God will do exactly as it was told to me. I want you to see what Paul is doing. He is bringing hope. And this is what leaders do. They inspire hope. This leadership series is about leadership principles from the life of the Apostle Paul. What's he doing in the face of horrible adversity? He's inspiring hope. I've said everyone is someone's leader. What this means is that if you're a single mother, there are times you've got to inspire hope in that little son, that little daughter. Honey, all is not lost. If you're a father leading a family, there's times you stand up in the middle of adversity and inspire hope. Maybe a small business leader or maybe a pastor. What is Paul doing? He's standing up in the middle of the storm when all hope is lost. He's saying, guys, all is not lost. The God whom I serve has told me we will all survive. We will all make it to our destiny. Here's the leadership principle. Spirit-led leaders bring calm and clarity in times of chaos and confusion. Church, we are living not just in difficult times, but even dangerous times. We are sailing through seas of adversity. This is a time in Western civilization of chaos and confusion. The world is desperate for leaders that will bring calm and clarity in times of chaos and confusion. Now, what is interesting to me in this Acts 27 text is that Paul, from this point forward, becomes the leader on the ship. Even though he was not a professional sailor, he'd never been trained as a sailor, he becomes the de facto leader where these professionals begin looking to Paul for leadership. You know why? Because he was spirit-led. And because he was spirit-led, listen, leadership always rises to the surface in times of adversity. And what I want you to see today is simply this. Sometimes God lets you sail through a storm just to teach you he is sufficient to save you. What is God doing in the storms of our life? When a storm blows in, we're no longer living at fair havens and all is well in the world and all of a sudden all is not well in the world and I'm sailing through a season of difficulty or even danger where it feels like I won't even survive. Listen, he wants to teach you that he is a God that keeps on saving you. Listen, Jesus is not a savior that simply saved you so one day you can die and go to heaven. He is a savior that keeps on saving you through every trial and tribulation. And sometimes he lets us go through a storm just to teach us that he is sufficient to save us. Now, you might be going through a storm because like the sailors, you didn't listen to God. These sailors are now in a storm they never had to be in. Had they simply listened to the word of God and heeded the voice of God, they could have avoided the storm altogether. But on the other hand, you might be like the apostle Paul. He's going through the storm, not because he was out of the will of God, but because he was in the will of God. See, we have this faulty theology in modern American Christianity that says, well, if I'm in the will of God and I'm really following Jesus, then ought to be smooth sailing. What Bible are you reading? Have you read the New Testament? Have you read the book of Acts? 
Paul was right in the middle of God's will. He was obeying the word of God. He was following the son of God. And his life was full of pain and trauma and suffering and adversity. I want you to see sometimes the storms are not of your own doing. It's simply because we live in this broken world that is cursed by sin. But even in the middle of the storm, God wants to show you that he's a God that keeps on saving. I want to talk today about leading through the storms of life. Principles for leading through the storms. Whoever you're leading, whoever's following you, but listen, it doesn't simply begin with them, it begins with you. Like, before you can lead others well, you gotta lead yourself well. So how do you lead yourself through the storms of life? Four things I want you to see. Number one is this. You gotta throw the extra cargo overboard. In the storms of life, God wants you to learn to lighten the load. And that's the first thing these sailors do in the middle of this storm. They start throwing a bunch of the cargo overboard. They're going to lighten the load. Look at what it says in verse 18. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. And on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. This is a life and death situation. And all of a sudden, all 276 men on board this ship were all working together. Nobody cared who the professionals were. Nobody cared who the prisoners were. It's all hands on deck. And they literally, with their own hands, are throwing stuff overboard. Like they're taking inventory of what is absolutely a necessity. And they're like, mm, don't need it. It's overboard. Mm, not needed, it's overboard, mm, can do without that, throw it overboard, they're lightening the ship. They're taking inventory. And it's what God wants us to do in the storms of life. So let me ask you, what are some things you don't need that's just weighing you down? Stuff you're hanging on to, stuff you're carrying. In the middle of a storm, God wants you to take inventory and decide these are things I can do without what are some things you need to throw overboard? It might be a relationship that's just not good for you. Now, I don't mean your spouse. I'm not talking about your spouse. I can just hear it now, honey. I'm sorry. Pastor Phil said, you need to go overboard. You're weighing me down. No, that's not the application I'm making. But I am saying, listen, as we say at Paradigm Young Adult Ministry all the time, sometimes you need a new playground, you need new playmates. <laughs> because there are people in your life, they're keeping you from following Jesus. They're hindering you from following Jesus. You need to throw them overboard. Now don't tell them you're going overboard. Don't, don't put it like that. Just saying, take some inventory. Some relationships help you follow Jesus. Some hinder you from following Jesus. Uh, it, it might be... Um, you know, you're going through financial duress, financial stress, and God's wanting you to take inventory. What are the necessities? I talked to a young couple recently in our church, been married five years. He's 33, she's 28, three beautiful little girls, and when they got married five years ago, they were $75,000 in student loan debt. You talk about weighing them down, needing to take inventory. Now, here's what they did. They decided, we're going to get debt-free. We're buried in debt, but we're not going to sail with all this extra cargo. We're going to decide what we really need and what we don't need. And for the last five years, they haven't gone out and bought the new cars. They haven't went out and bought a new house. They made the hard decisions, and they lived in a, in a small apartment. And guess what? Five years later, they're almost to make their last payment, and they're about to be debt-free. It can be done. 
See, in that storm, take inventory. Don't need this, don't need this, get rid of this. Listen, every little bit helps. Throw it overboard. I don't have, I don't have the premium plan for Spotify. I don't like having to skip, and you know, you get three skips and only three skips, and when you get three skips, now you can't skip to the song you really, I, I, I don't get to do that. Because I'm not paying the $10 a month, okay? Yeah, that's not a big deal. 10 bucks a month, everything adds up. And so I'm trying to get you to see what the, the principle is. In the storms of life, God wants you to redefine your priorities. That's the time to take inventory. These sailors are taking inventory. Non-essential, non-essential, don't need it, get rid of it. This is how you begin to lighten your load so you can flow through the storms on the seas of life. So there I was snorkeling. Now what happened that day in Tanzania is my fins were too large. They did not fit me properly. So with every kick of my feet, they would come off. So over and over again, there I am. And most of the time, we'd been in places I could stand. Like, I'm six foot six. I can stand in a lot of water, right? So what happens, my fins come off, and over and over again, I have to put my foot down to put my other fin on. Well, what happened is, when I put my foot down, I stepped on a sea urchin, and this is what the bottom of my foot looked like. Now, if that's painful for you to look at, and I know it is, have some compassion, because if it's painful for you to look at, it was painful for my foot. I put my foot down. I never even heard of a sea urchin. I'm telling you guys, they are little demons. <laughs> Straight out of the pit of hell. They have to be, because they look like a thing of beauty. Yeah, they look like a thing of beauty. They, they are demonic little things. And I stepped right down on one. My foot was now full of hundreds of poisonous barbs. And at that moment, I decided, look, my snorkeling adventure is over. I'm done for the day. I'm swimming for the shore. So what happens is I start to swim for the shore. And I don't know when, I don't know how, but all of a sudden, I'm in deep water. I mean, I've been able to touch all the way there, but somehow I've drifted and, and now I'm going for the shore and I'm in deep water. And I know how to swim, but I'm not a swimmer. And those of us that aren't swimmers, we know. Listen, if, if you don't know, swimming is the thing that will exhaust you faster than anything. Like, it is physically exhausting. And so there I was, swimming for shore. Now, the problem is, I had these fins that if I did not return, I was going to lose my $10. <laughs> and $10 is $10. So I'm gripping my fins in one hand, and I'm swimming with the other hand. And it's not going well. Listen, I needed to take some inventory in that moment. I'm about to have to fight for my life because I won't let go of my fins. That's going to cost me $10. Really? I needed to take some inventory. Let it go. They don't matter. But there I am swimming with my fins. So I'm clutching them, you know, with one arm. I'm trying to swim with the other arm. And I realize after a minute, I'm getting tired. I'm getting exhausted. And so what happens is I start to swim harder. And I'm working harder. But I look up and over time, like I'm barely making any progress. And it's still so far away. And the harder I'm working, I'm getting more and more exhausted. And it goes from being difficult to now I realize this is, this is dangerous. This is how people drown. 
And the reason why is I wouldn't lighten my load. I was not thinking calmly. I wasn't thinking with clarity. It was a moment of chaos, confusion. I'm clutching my fins. No, throw them overboard. There's things in your life that God is trying to say you don't need. Get rid of it so you can sail on the seas and the storms of life. Now, number two is this. He wants to teach you to focus on the certainty of victory that we have in Jesus. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. In the middle of the storm, all you can see is the adversity and the waves and the wind. That's why your focus will define your future. It's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Get rid of the fins. Get rid of the things you're clutching you don't need. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that will hold you down and wear you out. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily ensnare us and let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. Here it is, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, focus on the finish line. Focus on Jesus. Your focus will define your future. And what God is trying to get you to do is to focus on the victory that we have already. It's guaranteed because of what Jesus did at Calvary. Look what it says in Acts 27, 19. And on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, church, I'm convinced when you read the Bible, the word of God, nothing there is accidental. Everything there is providential. It doesn't say the second day. It wasn't on the fifth day. It wasn't on the 10th day. It was on the third day because Every time you see this phrase, third day, it should remind you of what happened on the third day. It is the source of our victory. It is the foundation of our future. What is it I'm talking about? Say it. It's the resurrection. Yeah, it's the resurrection. See, in the storms, God wants to bring a resurrection. You think all is lost and it's hopeless, but he is the God that resurrects what is lost. He is the God that resurrects hope when it looks hopeless. He is the God that resurrects the life when you feel like you're about to die. I'm trying to tell you our focus should be on the resurrection, the victory that Jesus has guaranteed for everybody at Calvary. Listen, in the end, we win. Focus on the end. Because in the end, you're guaranteed you're gonna win. Doesn't mean there won't be pain along the way. Doesn't mean there won't be failure along the way. Doesn't mean there won't be suffering along the way. But in the end, you win. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world, which means if you're in Christ, you can be an overcomer because Christ suffered, but Christ overcame which means Romans 8, 37, you know what it says? With all the headaches and the heartaches and all the heartbreaks and the stress and the duress, Romans 8, 37, and all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. You're meant to be a conqueror, an overcomer, but only as you focus on him. Look at somebody right now, just look at them, wherever you are in the world, just look at them right now and say, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Look back at them and say, it's gonna be okay. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves, whatever I'm going, it's gonna be okay. And I've lived long enough, church, listen, I'm telling you, there have been times, not just literally, metaphorically, I felt like I was fighting for my very survival, like it's all I can do to keep my head above water. I feel like I'm drowning every day. 
And I'm trying to tell you, I've lived long enough now and gone through enough stuff in my life that I can honestly say, this too will pass. I mean, years ago, people would say, well, this too will pass. And I would be like, I'm not sure it's going to. I'm really not sure it's going to pass. But I will promise you, whatever you're going through, this too will pass. This too will pass. If you focus on the victory of the third day, now look at what it says. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. In ancient days, sailors would sail by sight. In other words, they knew their destination in the age before GPS technology. These sailors knew their location based on the position of the sun by day and the stars by night. But imagine how scary this is if day after day, night after night, day after day, night after night, over and over again, you can't see the sun, you can't see the stars. Imagine how scary. You're lost. You have no idea where you're at. And there are times in the storms of life, listen, the adversity, the pain, the trauma, the suffering seems to block out the light of the sun. I don't mean S-U-N, I mean S-O-N. See, it's easy to live the Christian life when things are going well and you're harbored at Fair Haven. Jesus, you're amazing, you're awesome. That's easy. It takes no faith. So there are times God's gonna let you sail in the storm and you can no longer see the light of the sun, S-O-N. God, are you even there? God, I feel like you've abandoned me. Don't you care? God does care. He's still there. What's he trying to do? He wants you to learn to walk by faith, not by sight. Redefine your priorities as you take inventory and then refine your faith. See, what Satan wants to use to ruin your faith, God's trying to use to strengthen your faith. It's easy to walk through life with our physical eyes, what you can see. And I've had seasons where I could see God moving tangibly, the tangible move of God. You're awesome. And I've had seasons where I can't see God moving at all. And what God wants you to remember is above the storm clouds, the sun is still shining. The sun is still there. S-O-N. I was recently on a plane, and I heard the pilot say, we're about to fly through a storm. I'm actually going to elevate above the cloud bank. And that's exactly what he did. He got up above the cloud bank, below the clouds. You couldn't see the sun. All of a sudden, he got above the clouds, and the sun was shining. It was still there, and do you know the sun is still shining even in the middle of the storm, but God wants you to see with your spiritual eyes and not simply your physical eyes. He's trying to train your spiritual eyes to go through life, not simply physically, but spiritually. I have a precious little niece. She is a cute, cute little girl, but she was born with a lazy eye. One eye was weaker than the other, and for months and months and months, she wore a patch over this eye, forcing her weak eye to do all the work. Do you understand that's what God will do? He will make it so you can't see physically. So you must learn to see spiritually. He's strengthening your spiritual eyesight in the storms of life so that now you're walking by faith, not merely by sight. Never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. I've said this before, but it's true. You need to remind yourself, never doubt in the dark what he has shown you in the light. Meaning, if you thought God loved you in the good times, he still loves you in the hard times. If you thought God was for you in the good times, he is still for you in the hard times. 
You see, God was there in the day. He is still there in the night. Don't doubt in the night. Don't doubt in the dark what he's shown you in the day. It's still true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He wants to strengthen you spiritually, not simply to redefine your priorities, but to give you eyes to see what before you could never see. Number three, keep doing the basic things while waiting on God to do the bigger things. Yes, you need a miracle. God still does miracles, but I have learned most miracles happen so slowly, so subtly, so gradually, you don't even know you're in the middle of one till you get on the other side of that storm. See, we think a miracle's not a miracle if it doesn't happen instantly, because that's how Jesus did them most of the time. It happens slowly, it happens gradually. So in the meantime, what do you do? You keep doing the basic things while you're waiting on God to do the bigger things. If you need a new job, and you might need a new job, a job that pays more money so you can take better care of your family, while you're waiting on God to give you a bigger job, a better job, don't quit the one you have. Keep doing the basic thing and showing up to work and giving it all you got. There's a principle in Matthew 25. Jesus taught, faithful in a few things, I'm gonna make you ruler over many things. See, if you can't be faithful with the basic things, you can't ask God to do the bigger things. So you talk about a basic thing. How about eating food? Look what happens next in verse 33. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you, take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And they were all encouraged and also took food for themselves. They have not eaten for 14 days just trying to survive. And Paul's like, hey guys, you're not going to drown to death. You're going to starve to death. Let's get something to eat. Just the basic thing. And for some of us, we're in a category five hurricane, and maybe all you can do is get out of bed. Keep doing the basic things. You're in a category five hurricane, and you feel like you can't survive. The depth of darkness, depression, force yourself to get out of bed, take a shower, get dressed. Just the basic things of life, Day by day, one step in front of another. Paul's like, hey guys, listen, I know we're all afraid, but we haven't eaten for 14 days. Yeah, the waves are still rocking the boat, and I, I know the winds of adversity are blowing. Let's just sit down, let's eat something. You know what you need to do in the storms of life? During the storm, just keep doing the basic things to nourish and encourage your soul. They were all encouraged just by having some bread. You need to do whatever it takes just to nourish and encourage your soul with prayer, worship, Bible study, serving, biblical community. These are just the basic disciplines of the Christian life. These aren't the big things. These are just the basic things. Yet I've watched it over and over again, guys. It is easy to come to church and give worship and glory to Jesus in the good times. But I've watched this over 23 years of ministry. A storm blows into somebody's life, and then they just slowly fade away. Listen, you need to be in church even worse in the difficult times. 
You need to be in community even more in the difficult times, not less, even more. You need to serve even more in the hard times. Listen, serving, what happens in these hard, difficult times, all you want to do is just turn in and kind of curl up in a fetal position. But I'm trying to tell you, if you would turn out instead of turning in and make yourself to serve others and meet other people's needs, the therapeutic value, I'm trying to tell you the healing that comes even when you're hurt and in pain through serving, through worship and biblical community. I'm trying to tell you, Satan wants to isolate you. And in the hard times is when you need the body of Christ even more. It's easy in the easy times. It's a sacrifice in the hard times. So this is how you nourish your soul in the difficult times and encourage your soul through the basic things of life. It's through prayer, praise, proclamation, your personal worship time. It's how you beat back the darkness. I want you to see one more thing. You need to let down your anchors and rest in God's promises. Learn to let down your anchors and rest in God's promises. And when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay without a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Now, if you read the whole text, I think what they do first, they let down their anchors to slow themselves down lest they fly on by this little island. And when they get close enough, they drop the anchors, leave them in the sea so they can beach their boat. And look what it says. Meanwhile, Losing the rudder ropes, they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. Let me ask you, what is your anchor in life? If it's your money, there will never be enough of it. If it's a relationship, it will eventually let you down. You need to find an anchor that will always, always anchor you through the worst storms of life. And I'm trying to say that during a storm, you must be anchored to God's word, the timeless truth of God's word that never, ever changes the same yesterday, today, and forever. And through the hardest times of my life, when I felt like, God, I don't have what I need. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I have dropped my anchor on Philippians 4.19 again and again and again. It says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Drop your anchor on Philippians 4.19. There have been times I didn't think I could survive another day. I'm treading water, going nowhere. I'm exhausted. I don't know that I can survive. And I have dropped my anchor on Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, I can do this because Jesus is going to strengthen me. Drop your anchor when you feel like you're drifting on the open ocean. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what to do. Drop your anchor. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all of your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. Drop your anchor in the word of God. It's an anchor for your soul. It's an absolute certainty in a world full of insecurity. Now look at what it says next in verse 42. And then the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. The boat is now breaking up. You read this whole text. The ship has been so battered, it's literally breaking into pieces. And for some of us here, God is taking apart your ship. 
The thing that you held on to for safety, security, maybe that thing of idolatry, there's a point where God will break up your ship and you're gonna find yourself in the water. Now the Apostle Paul is in the water. It is still hurricane force winds. The waves are scary. The wind is a thing of, of, of enormity. And here he is now in the water, just treading water, just trying to swim to save himself. There I was in the water, y'all. Listen, I thought I was going to die off the coast of Tanzania. I don't know how I got there. It doesn't matter if you drown in 100 feet of water or 10 feet of water, dead is still dead. And I realized, like, I am exhausted. I am completely gassed. I have worked all I can to try to get to shore, and I'm completely exhausted. I realized in that moment, this is more than difficult. This has become dangerous. This is how people drown. And in that moment, I began to panic. And the panic makes you work harder. This is how people drown. They begin to panic. And I began to panic. And I remember the flail and kicking, trying to get to water. I got I to gotta get out of the water. I got to get to land. But the harder I worked, the more exhausted I was becoming. And I realized this is how people drown. They work themselves to exhaustion. And it's amazing the things your mind has time to think about in that moment. Like I remember looking over and seeing all the teenage boys about 100 yards away and then looking at the land and about 100 yards away, I thought, what are my options? I can yell for help. But then I thought, I was up to the teenage boys. It's too far away. They can't help me. And even if they did save me, I would never live this down. <laughs> I'll have to hear about it the entire way back home. I'm serious, the things you think about, so I thought to myself, no. I can either save myself or die with honor. <laughs> Those are my two options. I'm either gonna save myself or die with honor. I'm not yelling for help. And so there I was, I took off again, exhausted, I'm gassed. I don't know how much longer I can stay above water. It's all I can do to come up for water. And then I remembered something I taught my kids when I was teaching them how to swim. I remember teaching them, guys, if you ever get tired when you're swimming and you're in water that's too deep to touch and you're in over your head, all you have to do is just relax. You'll float. It's counterintuitive. In your panic, all you want to do is work. But that's the kiss of death. Spirit-led leadership brings calm and clarity. Phil, calm down. Don't panic, calm down. Now I could think with clarity. Just relax. Here's the point. As long as you're trying to save yourself, you cannot be saved. You have to surrender yourself. That's what I did. I quit trying to save my life. I surrendered my life. Now I still had the fins on my chest. 
One letting go of them. I eventually made it to shore. The fins did too. Kept my $10. But this is what I did. Don't panic. Just pray. Just relax. Don't work. Rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest to your soul. See, when you yoke yourself to Jesus, he is your life preserver. He is your life jacket. And what you do in the storms is you don't work harder. You rest. You learn to rest in God's promises. That is how you make it safely to shore. Jesus will not let you down. I want to pray right now with you, wherever you are in the world. Would you just bow with me right here in this Lee Summit Auditorium? Jesus, you know the storms that are in this place, the difficulty and even danger that so many people are facing, the pain, the trauma, the sadness, the suffering. It's a stormy season in many of our lives. And if somebody today would say, Phil, that's me. I am going through a storm, maybe the worst one I have ever been in. I want to pray with you right now. Lee Summit, Independence, Blue Springs, all the church houses. Just raise your hand up right now. Would you do that? I'm in a storm. Just hold your hand up high in the air. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. Wherever you are in the world, I'm going to count to three. We're going to stand and sing. If you're at another campus, your pastor is already there. Your campus pastor will meet you at the altar. Church house leaders, just stand up, turn around, be prepared to minister and pray. If you're in Lee Summit, I'm going to count to three. As we stand and sing, I want you to come meet me right here at this altar, this platform, and we're going to petition the God of heaven, and we're going to claim the promises of God, and we're going to rest in the strong arms of Jesus. Let's do this together. One, two, three. Come quickly, would you? I lift my eyes up to the mountain. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes up to the mountain. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven. our prayer team if you would just come right now if all of you would just bow with us right now we're going to pray over these precious people our dear brothers our dear sisters as a church family there's all kinds of storms going on in people's lives just the ones I'm aware of real pain real loss real difficulty real adversity 
But God's grace is more than sufficient. Jesus is more than enough. So let's pray blessing over them right now. Jesus, I thank you that your grace is all sufficient. The Lord Jesus, you are more than enough. And God, we pray blessing over every single man, every woman, every young person in this place today. I pray, God, in heaven, the promise of Philippians 4.19 over them, that our God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, today we drop the anchor in Philippians 4.13. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And Lord, I know right now in the middle of the storm, it feels like I cannot go another day. I don't know how I will survive one more day. I pray that you would strengthen them supernaturally. I pray that the power and the presence of God over them, a double portion of your spirit upon their life. I pray that today they would surrender themselves, not try to save themselves, that they would rest in the promises of God. I pray, Lord Jesus, for the fruit of the spirit in their life. Love, joy, peace. I pray a peace that surpasses all understanding, long suffering, the ability to suffer long in a season that is storming. Jesus, I claim the promise of John 16:33. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. I pray, God in heaven, that you would fill them with your spirit that Lord Jesus, they would learn that they are an overcomer no matter how much they suffer for they are in Christ. And Jesus, you have overcome. I pray grace would abound upon them that they would sense the joy of the Lord over them in the days ahead, that they would not grow weary in well-doing for you have promised in due season, we shall reap if we don't lose heart. And the people of God said, Amen. Let's sing this and let's shout this to the mountain. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.